Hi, I'm Leola. I'm a sacred intimacy mentor and muse and the host of this podcast. Talk Tantra to Me introduces a playful perspective on sacred sexuality. My intention in this podcast is to integrate intimacy and spirituality, empowering you to reclaim your eroticism. It is my mission to inspire you to let go of shame, fear, and limiting beliefs to be present as your highest self in every moment. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now, let's talk Tantra. Welcome to episode 16 of Talk Tantra to Me. It is such an honor to be holding space for this divine knowledge to make its way into your ears and lifestyle. Today, I talk Tantra with Lena Dune. She is the creator of Ask a Sub, an amazing online community on Instagram and Patreon. She's a BDSM writer and kink content creator. She also gives great advice to those who are navigating or interested in navigating the world of conscious kink. So thank you, Lena, for being here. To start us off, can you just tell us a little bit about more about yourself and, and what you do? My name is Lena Dune. I'm a BDSM writer, uh, meme creator, uh, advice giver, um, and I sort of uh, I dwell in the realm of conscious and healing uh, BDSM and sort of uh, using your sexuality as a way to get to know yourself better. That's beautiful. I definitely resonate with that as a part of my journey. I had a lot of confusion with my own sexuality and the things that I were interested in, the things that I was gravitating, I was gravitating towards when I was in my late, you know, honestly, even before my late teens, when I first mm-hmm. was getting into um, understanding my sexuality and like finding porn and all of the things. Um, I had a lot of like fear around the things that I was getting attracted to. And, and I think that finding ways to use it as to understand myself better, like you said, and understand why I was attracted to certain things and also use those to explore my sexuality from a place of consciousness rather than um, reliving some unfortunate things that happened. It, it was just a really healing journey for me. So I feel really good to be on the other side of that in a more conscious place. However, you're the expert really here, which I'm super excited to, to learn more about that. But um, can you tell me a little bit more about like what you're working on now in this space? I know that you have like this amazing community on Instagram and you have a Patreon. What else like are you kind of offering for people or, or spaces that you're moving into? Yeah, so um, a lot of the BDSM world, the the teaching and the you know um, just general perspectives, talking out loud, mostly comes from people in the dominant position, people who are doms, um, which makes a lot of sense because those they're the people that have to learn like tactical skills, like hands on things, like tying ropes and safely you know giving people impact play. Um, but I sort of noticed, um, a gap where I wasn't hearing as much from subs. So that's when I started my Instagram, ask a sub, which with the intention of like, Hey, I'm here, I'm a sub, ask me what this stuff feels like. Um, and the reaction has been really, um, overwhelming. I've, um, been, had my little shingle up on the internet for not too long now, like a, like two years almost. And, um, I have 70,000 followers right now or or just about and um people are I'm just flooded with questions because I think people um find that they can imagine because we live in a really power driven society they can imagine taking an active quote unquote 
role in this kind of stuff. And I think people can kind of imagine the Dom, but I don't think that subs have been given like a lot of humanity and a lot of depth in media portrayals or even in just discussions in our community. So people are like, how can you do this? And so from the perspective of I'm here, I'm empowered. In fact, I hold a lot of power. Um, and I'm doing this stuff because I like it. Uh, just sort of holding that space has been really like revolutionary for people. So as part of all that, um, I also have a uh, an online course that I offer that um, is it's self-guided. So you can start it at any time, um, which will take you through how to begin doing power play, like in, in whatever sort of measure you want to do it. Um, it's called Conscious Kink. Uh, and it's it's yeah it's a five part guided course on sort of building a kink dynamic in, in your relationship or you know you have already have a relationship you want to put kink in it or vice versa you already have kink and you want to put a relationship in it it sort of uh, works for both things. Beautiful. Thank you for explaining all of that. I really yeah. um, love this idea of looking at like the perspective of like this is an empowering circumstance. And especially if you're in the subspace and, you know, um, and, and there's also lots of different types of subs and different dynamics in their relationships. Um, but do you think that there's a certain, I guess, standard or principle that is required to kind of have that level of empowerment for, for both parties? Um, yeah, I think a baseline of respect is what um, I think people don't uh, naturally impute onto the situation. Like if you were to watch a Dom sub scene and you might even see the Dom, you know, doing humiliation and degradation play to the sub or giving them impact or whatever. And and I think that from like our cultural um, conditioning, you would look at that and you would think, oh, the the dom is being really mean to the sub and forcing them to do things they don't want to do. Um, but in consensual <laughs> BDSM, the sub probably um, negotiated that scene to say like, hey, say mean stuff to me and hit me because that's what I want to do. And then the dom is carrying out what the sub has requested um, as part of their negotiation. So um yeah, but the respect is really, really key because none of this stuff can happen without respect, without both partners setting aside their egos, without safe words. And, and to do any of these factors in absence of that respect or that consideration or those safe protocols, you're sort of verging into the abuse territory because nobody wants to be surprised with these kinds of things. There needs to be a firm structure in place to like hold what might come up or what people might feel, um, which is why, you know, I think a lot of people are very critical of BDSM because their notion of BDSM is, oh, I'm in a random hookup and somebody starts choking me and that's BDSM. And in fact, that is the polar opposite of responsible BDSM, but it has like unfortunately leaked into our culture that these sort of difficult and intense kinks are being treated like they're nothing and and that they, they are not. <laughs> Yeah, I think that really goes into like one of the foundations of Tantra is really about like, what's your intention? And mm -hmm. if you're just like playing around with this stuff without, you know, communicating and having that respect and understanding, like we're playing this, we're, we're, we're exploring the deepest realms of the human experience and how exciting is that when you can do that in a safe way. However, it can definitely be manipulated. And I was really interested in when you when you brought up the idea 
of the ego? How does that, how do you see that playing into these dynamics? Yeah, I think that we have a lot of really great tools in BDSM to interrupt the ego um, that would be very well applied in other forms of sexuality. And it's something that definitely comes to mind around that is safe words. Um, so the main the mainstream culture has said a safe word is something silly you say to make everybody laugh so everyone comes out of the mood of having sex. Um, but in reality, um, a safe word is a neutral word that you and your partner agree on before play that means not just no, but means this is what happens next. So um, I use the the color system or red and yellow. And so if I were to just say no to my partner, what what does no mean? I don't I don't know. It does mean stop. But beyond that, there's not really a plan that comes with no. Yeah. Um, but when I say yellow, it means come close to me, check in on me, ask if something needs to change. And if I say red, that means we transition now into aftercare, which is like a moment to cuddle and check in and everything stops. We are not on like an intensity escalator anymore. There's no expectation of further sex or further play. Um, and I think that like people can have such a difficult reaction to saying no and to hearing no, because that's a lot of ego stuff, right? It's like rejection and fear and oh you think I'm a bad person if you tell me no or I did something wrong or I am bad but when we deploy safe words you know red doesn't mean anything about who you are as a person red just means give me aftercare so it's sort of like stepping outside of that context in the outer world to create this sort of ego-free ideally ego-free space um, to play in that's beautiful I love this idea of really incorporating the next step into the word and really having that awareness of like what 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 how what's the sequence of events that follows um because i think there's just so much confusion especially about how each person might have different needs in regards to when they feel triggered what do they need like some people might need to check in and have a little bit of closeness some people might need space so yeah. being able to be self-aware and and also having a partner who's willing to help you figure out what you need is super beautiful mm -hmm. and helpful. Mm -hmm. And also just the idea that this idea around um, the word no, because I feel like as a woman, I don't think I was ever really taught how to say no. I think that there's a lot of shame around saying no. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of why we're in a situation where you know, so there, I mean, to me, this revolves a lot around the Me Too movement as well, that women aren't taught how to say no is, is a huge part of the problem. And men, men aren't taught how to negotiate these sorts of, you know, conversations and same with women. And this is a non-binary issue as well. I'm being a little mm -hmm. bit, um, speaking from my perspective as a heterosexual woman, however, mm -hmm. you know, I think that this plays into all types of relationships. So thank you for sharing. Definitely. And it's also worth noting that like another misconception that we have about BDSM is that bottoms and subs are passive and that they just show up and the dom has to magically ascertain what their needs are. But safe words are a great example of how active it can be to say, I am in charge of slowing this down. I'm in charge of stopping this if I'm not in a place where I can handle it. And sort of the soft skills that go into that of being able to, again, set aside your ego. Like it, you may not look cool if you call a safe word. You may not look really badass and tough, but it, you, it, that's not what we're here to do. We're here to be authentic about ourselves and our needs and learn that if you say this, you can, you can deescalate it. So, and, or, and stop and it'll be okay. And 
I don't think that when we're conditioned about sex or even consent, we're we're not really conditioned for um, how to say no and not have it be a big deal. Because I think even when it's we're having these complicated conversations about consent, it's like it may be very disappointing. It may cause a big reaction. It may cause a fight. And it's like, how can we how can we before it ever is a necessity mutually agree what's going to happen in that moment so everyone's nervous systems aren't afraid of going there um yeah it's consent is a lot it's a lot trickier than (laughs) than all that and that's we're really lucky to be having those nuanced conversations thanks to to me too absolutely and thanks to you and the community that you've created to help the different people on different sides of this dynamic understand the full range of experience and have all these tools to (laughs) move into it with, you know, grace as much as possible. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's, um, I find that such a huge part of my, um, role online has become people say, how do I say this? And then I give them a couple different options for how to say it. And that's, you know, how do I tell my dom that I don't like it when blah, blah, blah? Or how do I tell my dom that I'm afraid to call a safe word because blah, blah, blah? Or how do, you know, and mm-hmm. and just giving people like options because just say it is not actually as easy as it seems because there's so much to overcome to be honest about sex. Like what an <laughs> intimidating topic to be honest about. Yeah, no, it's true. And I, and I also think that it's really important to to mention here that like, a very valid response when you feel like your boundaries being crossed is to freeze. Um, And that's, I mean, that's something that I've had to, to deal with in my understanding of my own sexuality and being in situations where I was able to approach a conscious kink situation. I was able to break down what was happening with my freeze in a safe space rather than reliving, you know, traumatic experiences. So Mm -hmm. from there, I would love to transition into how we can use BDSM with our sexuality as a healing modality. Yeah. um, You know, healing is a really interesting word because it's something that I have espoused from the beginning, like healing BDSM. And, um, you know, it's part of the the bio that reads out every time I'm on a podcast. And I um, initially, I think when I was starting to really claim this space talking about submission, I was like, everybody, it's great. You can heal. It can um, address trauma. It can, you know, and it can, and it's wonderful. Like there are ways to use BDSM to create this sort of intentional consensual container to re-experience things that maybe were non-consensual out in the world. Um, And I'll talk about that in a second, but before I say anything further, I want to like be really clear that you, you can practice sexuality without needing to provide trauma receipts to Mm -hmm. say that you deserve to be kinky like you do not need to have a dark past to justify doing this stuff like you can enjoy the sensations you can enjoy the power play and you don't need to say like oh i'm well i get to do this because i'm traumatized so (laughs) just off the bat that's important to say but um but that said, a lot of us are traumatized. Like I show me a person that hasn't experienced at least one little T trauma in their in their life. But um, BDSM can provide this really interesting sort of safe container using those safe words, using negotiation, using the fact that it's going to end in aftercare and say, hey, I want to feel something 
like that I have felt out in the world non-consensually, but I want to feel it again with with my own safe words in play and my own ability to stop it. Like I think a really classic example um, is like women who want to be called derogatory names that have been, you know, like I joke a lot about there have been words that have been yelled at me out of a moving car or said behind my back in a male-dominated workplace that I love it when my partner says it because I have equipped him with my consent to do so and I know I can revoke it at any time so it allows me to have this sort of empowered reversal around you know the b word for example um and uh yeah that that kind of work happens for people across all kinds of identities um and all kinds of experiences to say like hey i'm bringing some of this outside trauma into this container and i want to see what happens when i have control over it yeah thank you for sharing that i think that um to add another disclaimer to it too i don't think that you you also don't have to use bdsm or kink to you know heal your trauma either mm-hmm. And there, in in you know, there's so many different modalities and things that you can use. And there's different sexual therapists and sex surrogates, and there's all kinds of options. However, mm-hmm. this is a really a, a really beautiful tool. Mm-hmm. And on the end of not use, you know, if you don't have any trauma and you're just wanting to explore in this space, um, it, you know, it, it's also good to look at the fact that, in my opinion, there's not a single person that walks the earth is, that doesn't have some sort of sexual shame or yeah. guilt or trauma. Maybe they weren't personally, physically attacked, but mm-hmm. I, you know, at some point, even if you grow up in a beautiful, perfect family that has, you know, mm-hmm. all the resources and is encouraging you to self pleasure and, you know, is very upfront about sexuality, you still have you know, the influence of media and your peers and sex Mm -hmm. education classes, which at least for me, were very Um, (laughs) fear-based. All of these factors really play in Mm -hmm. and, and it can be fun to, to explore the inverse of those fear stories and to really experience things firsthand and then make your own, you know, touch in with your highest truth. Like, is this really a bad thing that I was always taught or a taboo thing, or does this actually feel really good and interesting, you know, and, and it can be fun to explore those different things. Um, and in Tantra, they really say there's, there's no right. And there's no wrong way to do anything. It's really just about like, what's your intention with this? So like, if you want to explore kink to like, you know, not because you're trying to heal a trauma, but just because like you want to like elevate your, 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 um, understanding of the world or go deeper into your human experience. Like that's an amazing intention. Um, however, maybe it's not the best idea if you're doing it just to like let out, you know, your own anger or, or your own feelings of like lack of worth, maybe from a sub perspective. So I would, I would love to talk about that. (laughs) Um, because uh, for me, I I I lucked into the conscious side of of kink. Um, I stumbled there by accident because I think very much for me, submission was this sort of externalized expression, um, you know, early on of my self worth issues, and I was like, I you know want to be hit and I want to be treated mean because that's what I deserve, and I sort of had wow. um, eroticized the experience of not being good enough and I had imported that into my sexuality as just a way of like really just like feeling it 
And um, I'm, I've been, I was blessed to find a partner who, who I've been able to explore feeling worthy with and feeling treasured and feeling um, important and um, all these things. And I, you know, now I'm sort of looking at my, you know, my trauma, Uh, but like, I, you know, I have, I have a significant level of family of origin trauma that I'm, and this isn't something that I would have been able to even express in words when I first started subbing. I was just like, oh, well, I'm worthless and bad. And I, this is how I have sex as an expression Mm -hmm. of that. But, um, you know, the toolkit, it's interesting because the toolkit of um, talk therapy, which I'm still in, and I've been in for like nine years, only got me so far in realizing and excavating this sort of deeper stuff about myself. And then when I added in this sort of BDSM component, I was able to sort of um, play with these themes and start to have these sort of realizations of like, it, by interrogating these kinks of like, where did they come from? Oh, well, you know, you don't, you know, human a human being does not end up with a worthlessness narrative just like out of nowhere like it comes from something mm-hmm. um and now as i go into like deeper trauma work like um i'm doing like emdr therapy for complex ptsd and i'm i'm realizing that like i could not have gotten to this place of of being like awakened to what was going on in me without the kink to help me get there so it's like again it's like you can't just take a traumatized person and be like, go, go to a dungeon and see what happens. But like, there are these ways that we can sort of figure ourselves out through sexuality that are like really important. And I'm just so grateful to have found myself in a good situation instead of like another series of really bad ones. So (laughs) that's beautiful. Yeah. I think it's such a testament to when you lean into like the universe kind of giving you these signs or like, pushing in a certain direction, like you'll fall into the right place. And maybe, maybe, you know, BDSM and kink is not for you. And like, you're not feeling really drawn to that modality. And that's amazing and fine. There's a great book called healers on the edge that goes into like all different kinds of sexual or like non-traditional healing in the intimate space. Yes. I can recommend that to readers. If you'd like to learn more about different kinds of ways that you can explore healing sexuality with physical intimacy, that doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, BDSM, although that's like an inclusive part of this book as well. Um, And for me, like my path was really like, I had had some sexual assault and then in my early twenties, it's okay. It is, you know, it is what it is. And I'm, I'm great at the end of the day, like it's a weird thing to say, but I'm grateful that it happened because it put me in the same way that it put me in a position where I was empowered to heal myself using, Mm -hmm. you know, consciousness. Whereas my, my path was more related to Tantra And so when I started, you know, first I had all of this like pattern of like, same thing, low self-worth, feeling like I needed to put on a show, just like, couldn't quite like get away from the feeling of shame and guilt after like pretty much any sexual experience, Mm -hmm. uh, except for like when I was in a super monogamous relationship. And even then I was like, there's something more and I'm not feeling it. And then when I found Tantra, it was like... I couldn't like, I completely realized like that I was using this world as like a vehicle to like keep throwing gasoline on a fire that was just mm-hmm. like, out of control. And when Tantra really just like put that out, you know, and, and, and it was like to the point that like, I couldn't even watch the same things that I used to watch, like yeah. cry anytime I saw like 
like it was just became so sensitive, but now I'm in this beautiful place on the other side of it that it's like, okay, cool. Like I've healed that part of myself and now I can have what I like to call a sacred surrender. It's this idea Mm -hmm. of fully stepping into like a receiving mode that's also a a really vulnerable space, but it's also incredibly empowering too. Um, It's like, it's like you're trading one kind of freedom for a whole different range of freedom, which is exploring like a whole different part of who you are, which is really exciting. So that's so, that's so great. It's, it's, it's while you're saying that it's making me think of like, I think like society sort of says, if you want to heal yourself sexually, the end point of that is like a relationship and now you're healed. But I think the reality is more that like the thing, the relationship is consciousness in yourself of like an intentionality and like I matter and I'm caring for myself and maybe me mattering and caring for myself means that I'm going to be strung up by my wrists and whipped until I'm crying and that feels really wonderful for me or you know or I'm having this beautiful tantric experience and breathing and you know and and it's different for each person but like yeah it's sort of the end point is not like I, now I have a white picket fence and a and a husband and two kids, but like the really the yeah. like you know the healed place if there is one it's a journey, but like the good the good place to get to is like I know why I do what I do and I'm doing it because I like it. Yeah, exactly. To me, that sounds like touching in with your highest truth, and mm-hmm. for me, like that means like BDSM and having these really cuddly and intimate moments and all these things. And other people can say, yep, like now I just want to have the white picket fence. And other people are like, now I have all this freedom to, you know, go to orgies and totally and be a switch and do whatever, you know, which mm-hmm. is really beautiful. So um, thank you for sharing that. I, I, I think that we kind of touched in on the um, relationship between kink and trauma. Do you want to add anything else to that kind of space? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that people, uh, it definitely people come to the idea of kink and they are like, it's one of two things. It's like, something's wrong with me or it's like, how could I want this? And sometimes, sometimes there are reasons for kinks. Sometimes like, you know, so I've had people write into me and be like, yes, you know, I used to like wrestle with my friends when I was a kid and now I have a takedown fetish and it's just been a one you know a clear narrative for me from the beginning but you know kinks don't have to come from trauma they don't have to come from childhood experiences um you know as we're coming into ourselves all kinds of random stimuli get associated into our sexualities and it doesn't there doesn't have to be a reason like yeah and again like well you know we preface this but I'll say it again because you could hear me talking about my family of origin trauma and now I call my partner daddy and I have daddy issues and now I'm playing with them you know that is the truth for me but you could come in and say I want to call my partner daddy and I want to kneel at his feet and my dad is lovely and great and he's a nice guy or I don't have a dad or whatever and it's there's no um spectrum of like a you know worthiness or permission based on what has happened before it's just about you're in the room now and this is what you want to do and you have every right to do it yeah and it can be fun to play different characters that have like have had different experiences and to step into those spaces and it doesn't mean it has anything to do with your personal experience so Mm -hmm. absolutely you don't have to have you know um 
fucked your teacher to do a teacher student role play. You know, there's yeah. no <laughs> prerequisite real, you know, we're not method actors. This is not Daniel Day Lewis. You don't have to, you know, go undercover in a school. You can just, you could just play with stuff. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, so in terms of like, if someone's interested in moving into this space and they just don't have as much experience with it, what are some resources that you would recommend to like, you know, help them like begin to like explore the space or like how, like, where would it be a good place to find a conscious kink partner? Yeah. Um, so we're living because thank you pandemic for this, but we're living in a golden era of zoom workshops for kink, um, practices. So I would say to check out your local feminist, you know, sex toy shop, your local, you know, woman owned rope studio. Um, And I emphasize feminist and woman owned. And I also mean, you know, non-binary and queer owned because those spaces tend to be really driven by trauma awareness, sort of as a natural side effect of who's leading the conversation. Um, And I think that that is extremely important for any kink practitioner. Um, so find something you're interested in and turn your zoom camera off and change your name and lurk in the background and see how it feels. Um, and, and I think so much of kink and so much of learning about kink is identifying what you don't like at the same time as identifying what you do. So any given class that you're in, you're going to be like, that's not, that doesn't work for me. That doesn't work for me. And, and that's okay. That doesn't mean you don't belong. It just means that that specific thing doesn't work for you. So, um, yeah, definitely. And there's there's a lot of book resources. I have them on my Instagram um, at my link in my bio. I've got mm-hmm. there's a, m- a bunch of great books um, out there. Um, but again, all of the books are problematic in some way because not every single aspect of it is going to work for you. Um, and then as you're looking for partners, um, <laughs> it's a whole process. It's just like normal dating, but add the complication that you need them to be respectful and understand their limits and boundaries and um, understand this world to a degree where there's enough safety and common language to do this well. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, many, there are a lot of apps out there. I, I, every time I recommend a specific app, people are like, but I've had terrible experiences on that app because people are awful Uh, (laughs) and and there are awful people on the apps. But um, I think like anything that's more sex positive, you're going to have a little bit more luck, like field can be great. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so uh, definitely um, just know if I could give one piece of advice to somebody sort of starting out in this world is know that you are already an expert on yourself. So there is no need to wait to figure out what someone else tells you. This is what's normal in the kink community. Like, fuck it you are an expert, you are going into this, like, looking for what's right for you. So yeah, do do not allow anyone to tell you, well, this is how it is. So you have to do it this way. And you get to do it the way that is comfortable for you. And if that means there's no impact play, if that means there's no spanking, if that means there's no um, verbal degradation, if that means that, you know, any number of kinks that people think everybody in the kink community must have, there's no bondage, no sensory deprivation, whatever, that's completely that's completely fine. Like a lot of people can't do penetrative sex, can't do whatever. And no one of these things makes you a sub or a dom or not. So. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I definitely want to touch again on that point of being your own, um, 
compass because like, and this goes for like any, like anything in my opinion, not just BDSM or Tantra, but like even like, you know, the gurus out there that say that they have the path forward. It's like, no, your needs and experiences are valid and are going Mm -hmm. to be like everyone's highest truth is different. So you might be like really triggered by some of the things that we talk about today and that's okay. It just is like, to me, a trigger is either telling you like, it's really just not for you or there's a reason there's some limiting belief mm-hmm. or shame or fear that's there that maybe you might want to explore a little deeper and find out why it's there because then mm-hmm. you might be empowered in a different way. Um, but yeah, use your intuition too. And especially when meeting new people in this space, because yeah, there's a lot of people that are out there that are like, Oh, I've been doing this for 20 years and you know, da, 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 da. And in my day, submissives would come groveling with a gift for the dominant. It's like, that's great. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, I've had my share of those experiences and it's mm-hmm. like, just, it's not worth it to like go any deeper. As soon as there's any red flag, you know, just trust yourself. But I will say I, I use field quite a bit and I highly recommend that it's mm-hmm. F- E-E-L-D. But of course, mm-hmm. again, there's going to be bad people anywhere or people that yes. resonate with your needs or truth or whatever. Um, but it's also a great resource, even if you're not just looking for BDSM, they have like, it's just very sex positive threesome. Mm-hmm. I found like, you know, like tantric pr- practitioners on that. There's people that are in like, you know, more of the sex work space and are just looking for more. They're, you know, quite vanilla, but they're just looking for more open-minded people. Mm-hmm. So definitely a good resource. So thank you yeah. for bringing that one up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I'll also say that as you're going into this, like, listen to yourself, that's really important. And the other flip side to that is that you are responsible for your own triggers and your own comfort mm-hmm. like you're responsible for your own comfort to tell another person like no thank you or to unmatch with them but on the flip side of that coin when you find somebody you really like you are responsible for telling them hey i can't do these things and just leave it there like your boundaries are non-negotiable and you know so the person you know the person doesn't need a reason they don't need to hear why and you know but it is also your responsibility to say like hey i can't go into these areas and just let it hang because the you know you don't need to justify uh why you can't do stuff because everybody can't do stuff every single person has limits okay. um every safe person who's being honest has limits yeah absolutely i totally agree i think that's another overlap of of you know tantra and conscious kink this idea that like in traditional relationships, we're often like always giving all of our power away. And it's like, if you really love someone, you'll do anything for them. But like, actually, that's not real unconditional love. That's like a trauma bond. It's like, you know, keeping you in a space of disempowering yourself. If you know, if you really love someone, like, you are going to give them the opportunity to see what your needs and boundaries are Mm -hmm. so that they can learn as well. You know, like, on, on, Honestly, by not explaining your needs and boundaries, you're you're taking away an opportunity for them even to learn and grow in that space and be able to serve you uh, at a higher level. So, yeah, or in a way too, like with BDSM, there's so much on the table, and I'm sure this is true with tantra too. There's so much stuff that we could be doing that, for me, like 
I, you know, as a creative, my creativity thrives with limits. Like I do better with a deadline. And I think all, it's the same thing with creating something in the sexual space. Like if it's like, well, do whatever you want to me, like how is anybody supposed to know how to proceed from there? But if you're like, I like this stuff, I don't like that stuff. I think that any, um, safer, willing or excited partner would be like, great. Now I know what to do to you. Um, and sort of a bonus to have boundaries and areas that are off limits. And, um, you know, it's it's sort of a, a nebulous like saying that's out there. I don't know who said it or whatever, but I'd love to repeat it, which is that anybody who shames your boundaries or has a bad reaction to your boundaries is benefit you benefiting from you not having any. So if you find yeah. that somebody is pissed that you're like, I can't do X, Y, or Z, then obviously that person needed to do X, Y, or Z to you for their own reason. And that's that's not again that's not somebody you want to play with so it's really just a win-win to be like hey i can't do this stuff because if you find a bad reaction then it's like great i get to get myself out of here because i don't like how you're reacting to this and if somebody has a good reaction then you just laid down a boundary and learned that uh nothing bad would happen if you did so we love yeah. boundaries. <laughs> yeah boundaries are great i think it's also another space to look at like we often see boundaries as like a no but really like first of all it's a framework but also like it can help you get creative and try to explore different types of pleasures in different ways like even like we were I'm at like a tantric um retreat training thing right now and we had to do this like massage but we could only use like our fingertips and like a oh, feather wow. and a flower and so it was this whole different type of like sensual you know experience that like people couldn't grasp or you know there was just a lot of limitation but there was like to see the body react to these different things and to and to get creative with how you're touching with different different ways and at different times and, and to me, it was like, whoa, like we're, there's so much more when you're not following the script of sexual experience that you always follow because you know that this works, you yeah. know, like when you put a boundary on something and you say, well, we're actually not going to do that today. We're going to try something else. Then you have this opportunity to explore your body in a whole different way, which is actually really exciting. And it's, it's not really limiting. It's actually setting you free. Totally. And that's a huge part of why, you know, once you're you're in longer term relationships, why desire wanes over time is because if you're doing the same exact thing every single time on the same script, certainly you're going to burn out on it at a certain point. Like you can't have a ham sandwich for lunch every day for 20 years and be excited about it. So, you know, it's really nice to have these modalities in your back pocket to be like, oh, let's explore this other thing and have that not be threatening to your partner or um critical, but just to be like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna try some new adventure. So um and I think a lot of people, especially in the pandemic, are like really suffering from lower desire than they used to have or that they're because because all of our external stimuli that make people excited to have sex like going on a romantic date or oh we're out in the car and this thing happened or blah 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 it's all gone and all you have left is your own mind and your own creativity and that burden is really huge when you don't have something bigger to tap into for ideas um but yeah try giving someone a massage with a flower and see suddenly you're way outside your comfort zone and like you know anything can happen absolutely Cool. Well, I just have a couple more questions for you to wrap mm -hmm. up. One is what awakens your arrows? What turns you on? What makes you feel erotically alive? I would have to say, and this is, <laughs> I'm still figuring this one out for myself, but I think the most intensely erotic that I ever feel like head to toe tingles and like 
just in the moment vibrating is um, deprivation and not being allowed to have what I want because Mm. not being given stimuli makes me almost feel them more (laughs) like the it's it's the contrast of um nobody's touching me but they could be um you know not just like i'm sitting on the couch and nobody's touching me but you know like in an erotic context you want this and you can't have it that is like the peak of of my sexuality and i'm I'm still sort of figuring out like you know what the deal is with that because it's not you know i feel like the answer is supposed to be like dark chocolate and a warm bath and sex you know (laughs) but for me it's yeah it's it's not having and um learning different playful ways to restrict what i can have or change what i can have like kissing with a ball gag in or having a blindfold on or these sorts Mm -hmm. of things that take one aspect away or play with my senses um yeah that's 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 my arrows super interesting and beautiful in its own way Mm -hmm. i really appreciate that i think it, it almost reminds you of these feelings of like you know, the, de- the one of the things that we all say in Tantra is that like the more you love some, the, the, the greater capacity you have to love opens up this like door of the greatest capacity to hate and have like these really mm. other intense feelings. And it's this like dichotomy and they're both like so intense. And I don't know, that's just what that reminds me. I love me. that. Yeah. It, it broadens the spectrum of feelings to have and also not have. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So last thing, where can listeners find you or support you? What kind of things are you working on now that listeners can get in on? Yeah. So um, f- come follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Ask a Sub. Um, that's just one word, Ask a Sub. Uh, on Fridays, I'll do um, Q&As on my story where people can ask ask a sub, ask me anything, and I'll, and I'll probably answer you. Um, and then for, for deeper work, for people who are like really considering kink as a lifestyle for them or who are dealing with shame or squaring this away with feminism or that kind of stuff, um, those kinds of themes, or if you're already in a relationship and you're beginning to figure it out, my Patreon is a really good place to have... Um, access to I have like a hundred posts in there of of different advice questions people have asked me and every week I do a new one you could ask me one I could you know do do one um for whoever joins um and then also I have a discord community there where um I think at this point we have over 700 people in the discord from around the world like there are multiple people in Wales England you know um no it's not Wales England it's Wales the UK um but uh and then you know so you can get in there and have a sounding board for things you're going through and like a really it's like suddenly you have a a kinky group chat with all of your new friends that are cheering you on and totally know what you're talking about which can be super super valuable for people um just starting out and then I also have that conscious kink course where um if you want to sort of feel out what this stuff might feel like um, more in- integrated into a relationship or into your day-to-day. That's a really great resource. So um, yeah, all of this you can find through my Instagram. That's that's where it all happens. And you'll also find the, the silly memes um, because I think humor is a great way to talk about um, stuff that we're uncomfortable about, uh, sex being at the top of the list. So um, yeah, ask us up on Instagram. Thank you again, Lena, for joining me today. And I also want to express my gratitude to the listener. Thank you once more for opening yourself up to the idea of sacred sexuality and in this case, conscious kink. If this podcast resonates with you, I'd love to hear it in the reviews. It means the world to me to hear your perspective. And your reviews also help this podcast become a bit more relevant in search results, which means that more people are able to benefit from the wisdom of spiritual intimacy. 
If you'd like to take an even more proactive role in awakening the collective to sacred sexuality, I'd love it if you screenshotted this podcast and shared it on your social media. If you do so, please tag me so that I can thank you personally. With so much gratitude and love, have a sexy and spiritual day, and you'll hear me next time on Talk Tantra to Me. Ta-ta! Ta-ta!